0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today.
0: Oh, no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan.
1: Oh, Grump. This is a rough weekend. Uh... Good thing we we uh we record these on Monday nights because it's really taken me, you know, forty eight hours to kind of decompress from that Florida game Saturday night. And then, you know, bad enough I got my uh double serving yesterday with the Giants. So and then, you know, for those of you who all know who a Florida Gator I am, we had a uh, our star basketball player, Kante Thompson, passed out and we think, you know, might have had a heart attack or something so that's that's been a tough situation so it was really a just a terrible weekend all around and uh therapy that's why we, we do this show really is for me and grump to have therapy but we can vent our frustrations and things so we don't make our wives and girlfriends want to kill us so you guys get to be our psychologist couches and listen to us vent for the next uh hour or so so how are you doing grump
0: this one's stung um I could have dealt with a loss in this game. That's fine. You know, uh, Arizona is a good team. They were on a slide, but, you know, they were, they're were they not a bad team. They just got Larry Fitzgerald back, which whether or not he makes catches does not determine whether or not he has an impact on the game. They have a good coach. They're trending in the right direction with a, with the right quarterback for what he's trying to do. Um, you know, this is, this is a talented team that is a game that should have been a challenge not an overwhelming. This isn't last week when uh, our backup quarterback goes to Seattle and we have no business even being in that game. Um, this is this is a challenge. This is a game that's you know you have to you can't make mistakes and or you're gonna lose. And what I can't deal with was being completely outclassed, um, and that's that's what happened. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and overreaction police. You know that's this is why we do these on Monday and not on Sunday because I don't. I don't want to run a podcast where we are just emotionally firing a hundred percent. You know, we're emotionally invested in this team, so there's no way that we're going to do an episode that doesn't have some level of, you know, yeah. Personal unless, unless it's
1: something it. where we have to, like, there's of course, you know, there's something immediate and interesting yeah. we have to. But yeah. if if,
0: the, if we win the Super Bowl and I'm sober enough to hit the record button, <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna do a Super Bowl night.
1: Episode. We'll do it in the parking lot of uh, Tampa Stadium or wherever we're going to be. But. Yeah,
0: exactly. So yes, there's there's situations where that's going to happen. Um, if you know, if a if a if we've got this game wrapped up in one, and in a, our defender does something stupid like throw a shoe and we lose the game, then hey, we'll fuck off. A, <laughs> we'll do an episode that night. But this, this, you know, other than that, we do this on purpose, right? Because after that game, were you in any fit state to do a legible podcast probably not saturday
1: night yeah. no yeah
0: exactly. yesterday
1: yeah i mean I, i'm gonna you know i made lemonades out of lemons yesterday because the fact i was in a you know still a catatonic state from saturday night i was able to watch the game kind of emotionless and i think i might i might you know coming out of watching the giant game had maybe a, a perspective that giant fans may not have you know a little more emotional you know not that i wasn't emotionally invested but i didn't have any emotions (laughs) so like i i I can kind of look things a little clearer i think so i I, you know again you know per normal we really don't discuss events from the game until we record this show live so um, i'm going to be curious to hear what grump has to say and you know maybe you'll be interested in what i have to say but uh you know we hope to hear what you guys have to say, also. So you know, you know where to find us on Twitter. So be, be sure and do that after the fact. But uh, why don't you start, Grump? Why don't you give us the uh, the unhappy recap? And
0: well, okay, I'll time it, in. It's it's pretty it's pretty simple. Um, we the Giants hosted Arizona. Um, that much is clear. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> right from the kickoff, they were losing this game. Um, Arizona won this game 26-7. to Not entirely a, a total breakdown. I mean, this is a... You know, this offense is... Arizona's offense is still a little bit fledgling. Um, but they are a good scoring offense. And they're very good in the red zone. Um, defensively, holding them to 26 points was... Considering the game that they were handed... Was an absolute win. I mean, the offense played so fucking poorly that... The special teams had to be immaculate, not even immaculate, they had to be exemplary to to give the defense any sort of field position to not give up points. I mean, for, for the first couple drives, Arizona was, Arizona's offense was taking, they, they were snapping from inside our territory, I think on the first three drives, right from their starting field position. It was, I mean, there's no way a defense can prevent points, you know. In that situation, and they and they managed to give up. First of all, no points on a fumble um, that was returned to the red zone. I believe not even the red zone. I think it was inside the ten. Um, they they made a fourth down stop there, no points, uh, and then two field goals before finally giving up a touchdown. Thirteen nothing at the half is an absolute win considering everything that they were handed. Uh, special teams was bad. Um, this has been a trend for the last few weeks. It wasn't bad to the level we've seen the last few weeks with like a you know, a blocked punt or anything like that, but the coverage breakdowns are still happening. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I mean, there seems to be lanes opening up the middle. I mean, there was one where, you know, I watched two Gunners for the Giants be held all the way down the field. Entirely down the field. And I rewatched it, and that's 100% what happened. That wasn't me just in the game competitive saying that. Um, but that's not really... That's just an excuse. Offensively, we couldn't do anything right. Um, nobody wanted to block, it looked like. It looked like we didn't have a game plan in place for the opponent we were playing. Didn't like we look like we had a game plan in place for you know, the team that we are. And um, the Daniel Jones did not look hundred percent, but we, we probably assumed that, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, in our predictions last week, I thought he was not going to play and I thought we would lose because of it. And I think that I didn't even factor that the possibility that he would play and just be completely ineffective because he's not healthy enough to play, which might've been worse than having Colt McCoy in.
0: Well, okay. Do we think he wasn't healthy enough to play or not healthy enough to run? I think it all impacts
1: I think uh I think it's all mental too. I think if you don't feel like you can run, I think that, you know, you know, you start worrying about other things and you worry about I I definitely think some of those sacks he had were just a situation where he could not move and just didn't, you know, want want to make mistakes and
0: you
1: know, he got sacked more and he fumbled because of it. So I think I, it I think all he was kind of instructed
0: adds, not to not to test right. it too much and his instinct was to run and then he remembered and he just kind of faltered in the pocket. His pocket That's presence worse <laughs> has never really been great. I will say that. He's he's too trusting, I would say, in the pocket. You know, it's a good thing to be a warrior in the pocket. It's something that I don't think can be taught. Somebody to stand in there and take the hit and deliver the throw. I think he has to be coached a little bit out of that because he oftentimes is too late throwing the ball or not moving away from pressure as we've seen. Um, but his pocket presence was w- much worse than usual on Sunday.
1: Yeah, to me, this, everything just seemed out of whack and it started was with him. You know, you can just tell right away he's not 100%, and then it's the questions become, you know, did we, I you know, this is going to be a big theme of this show, but play calling, was play calling itself impacted by his limited ability? Did we shut down the play, you know, the, the playbook even more just to... to get things that he could do. And, you know, you've got to remember something with this team. This defense is getting better and better and better. And you might see some subtle shifts in play calling going forward where they don't have to – it's not a question of having to win shootouts. Maybe the question is just manage the game on the offensive side, especially while Jones is hurt and, you know, everything else going on at the offense. So I, I you know – I think if it became pretty apparent that he was not going to be able to, to function at an acceptable level, the culture that Colt should have came in, not that he's a better chance to win, but more so just a better chance to execute the offense. I mean, I think people were jumping really quickly, you know, Oh, you know, all of a sudden Colt McCoy is the savior. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just, you have a better chance to lose maybe with a injured, uh, Daniel Jones than. McCoy giving you a better chance to win
0: you know in rewatching it I I think the playbook was slightly affected we did still run some RPOs in which I don't think Daniel Jones was instructed to read anything I think it's just the same look and he just hands it off no matter what the call is um, but you know those were kept in. I think we ran two to three of those, which we normally run more than that. I would say we run like five. But to six. you know
1: I'll still call that a play call. I mean, it's still a decision where his legs are reliant on. You know, even I agree. for yeah,
0: yeah. I think the play calling is pretty much what it's been all year. Uh, the last few weeks, I'll say uh-huh. like maybe the last month and a half, it looks okay. the same to me um, in what we've been doing. Uh, that said, I think that's a problem. I think the play calling in not not even necessarily the play calling, it's play design that I'm not understanding, and I haven't understood, and it's not gotten better. Um,
1: well, let let's uh, let's get into it then so, because so this this what, is the uh, look, this I'm is gonna, the hot button topic. Let's I'm going to throw go.
0: all my farts out there right now. I I, I wrote down these farts off of memory from you know from the game. Rewatched the game and came away the same way. The three okay. farts, and this is this is going to be. 100. You'll you'll know exactly why this game was lost. The three farts are Daniel Jones. He played like shit, injured or not. You know, he, if he's in, he's eligible for a star or fart. Right. Um, the entire offensive line played badly. I don't think we had a good uh, one offensive lineman that played well. Maybe nope. Nick Gates. I, you know, I it's hard to tell sometimes with some of the stunts and things like that. Um, and Jason Garrett. So basically, the entire offense played badly. Fart worthy badly. Um, you know, we we kind of touched on Daniel Jones. I don't think you'll argue with me too much. But, you know, I know he's hurt. He's not playing 100%. Uh, and I'm not really interested in in how he would have played if he were 100%. That's not really relevant. The fact is that he looked and played like shit. He seemed to have no pocket feel. The fumbling issue started coming back because of it. Um, you know, and, you know, we can discuss... You know how much is that is on him? You know, as displayed when Colt McCoy came in, he also fumbled the ball because that's what happens when quarterbacks get hit most of the time. So that's not necessarily a hundred percent of Daniel Jones' issue, but three times in one game at a certain point. Let me
1: say one thing about. Ball. Let me say one thing about Daniel Jones really quick: is that you know, every snap and every drive and every game is not a referendum on Daniel Jones' the Correct. future, mm-hmm. and I think I think that the problem with too many people have is. Every, all everybody wants to talk about what Daniel Jones is, is, is he the franchise quarterback? Is he the man? You know, what do these turnovers mean going forward? Can you build? That's all true. But as usual, life is not just binary thoughts. There's, you know, you can look at things in a 3D way. Daniel Jones at present is a below average quarterback in this league. He's in the lower, you know, third of the league we've had arguments about is he you know at 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 the at one moment is he the best starting quarterback in the in the nfc east you know at a time when you had you know dwayne haskins and you had you know uh going down to the the second and third string quarterbacks for dallas maybe but that's you know a very low bar but you know i think when you're trying when people are too busy making their opinions about you know is he going to be my guy? Yes or no? Am I in or I out of him? And maybe he gets a little bit of a pass from everybody about what he's doing right now, but he's not a very good quarterback right now. Well, there's,
0: there's that, a reason for
1: that. It's okay, a of bad. course. I, I, oh, no. I, I'm not at all saying he sucks because he sucks. I mean, for all the things we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, the fact is right now he is not a very good quarterback. Throw in that he was injured. Throw in he didn't play last week. He's, you know, he's not playing well. So. You know I think the expectation of this team is people just looked at the record and looked at the winning streak and looked at first place and thought thinks this team is really better than it is, and we 're not We are still nothing has really changed about the trajectory of this team that where they are and what they 're trying to do they are a they 're a a below average they 're not a mediocre t- team they 're not a terrible team they 're not in the category of the jets or Jacksonville or maybe you want to throw the Chargers in that group, whatever. But they're better than that, but it's still a pretty bad team. A bad team is getting better, but still a pretty bad team. To expect a level of consistency like, well, in the last three weeks we did this, and hey, we just beat Seattle. So we are it was unrealistic to begin with going to this game. And, you know, the same thing goes with the offensive line. You have a bunch of rookies in there. You got Gates as a, a first year player and you know, it's getting better if it's not consistent yet and you're going to get stinkeroos. and yesterday was a stinkaroo on all accounts. And that's, that, that happens. It's all right. I mean, I, it doesn't mean anything as far as, you know, it hurts obviously this year. If we, you know, we want to win a division that sure. That's a problem. But what does it mean about the, you know, the medium term of this team or anything really not much. It's a growing pain. And, you know, we're going to talk about Jason Garrett a lot next about what, what his role is. And I, I think that, you know, we're overreacting to just what this team is as opposed to just an underachievement of something. And I don't know. That's just kind of way I, I, I took away from, from Daniel Jones and kind of just at as the a, as a club as a whole.
0: I, I agree with just about everything you said there. So, yeah, the, the fan guys, that was an incredible win last week. Um the the Giants also have a a good the, the argument isn't is this team headed in the right direction? That I think we can see finally things are coming together. That's not just translated into wins. We said this at the outset that we were gonna have to see things showing us in the right direction. Not necessarily wins. The wins were gravy. Um you know, and it's yeah. good to get wins. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first of all, I understand the emotional reaction of this and whatever. But the fact is, is that this team isn't head and shoulders above, you know, the rest of the league just because they went on a the four game winning streak and because they beat Seattle. You know, Seattle was stunned a little bit. Seattle was outclassed. Seattle was also outcoached.
1: This this league is like that now. I mean, yeah. nobody. First of all, there are no great teams this year. There are no teams that They're are like Kansas City's. They're pretty great, yeah, but they're not—they're un, not unbeatable, and they've looked relative to what they are a little pedestrian the last couple of weeks. They're not—they're not firing at all cylinders. But there are no Alabamas in the NFL right now. There are no, you know, super super elite dynasty level teams right now. And the way this league has been over the last X amount of years is. Bad teams sometimes beat good teams, and it's unexplainable. That If that wasn't the case, everybody would win their survivor pool. But guess what? <laughs> sometimes a bad team beats a good team. And we, you know, we were fortunate that we were on that side where you know, a bad team beat a good team last week with Seattle. We also were on the side where a completely banged up San Francisco came in and beat the shit out of us when we should have won that game too. So this is a very tough league on a week-by-week basis to assume anything, you know, it over 16 games, it all kind of sorts out, but just because something happened, it's kind of an anomaly. Don't make that as
0: the rule. I mean, look, what happened in Seattle wasn't an anomaly. It was an amalgamation of, uh, you know, several weeks of heading in the right direction, good coaching, good game planning and and good execution straight up. I mean, it was, it was good execution. So it's, it's not completely by chance and that's not what you're saying. It's, it's not what I'm saying. It's, That's not really what happened there. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a team that, in order to win any game, has to be functioning at a very high level for what they are. It just is what it is. And that's not going to happen every single week. And that's going to bring me right into Jason Garrett. Now, forget Jason Garrett for just a second. Let's just talk about the offense. The last few weeks—I mean, this whole year, in order for us to win games— To score points, not even win games, to score points. Everything has to be perfect. The defense has to be perfect. The offensive line has to be immaculate. You know, the throws have to be on the money. Uh, and there's a reason for that. I don't doubt that there's some level of a bridged playbook for this team. There's no offseason, you have a young quarterback coming into a new offense. You have an offensive line that's full of rookies. So I know that you don't want Daniel Jones taking seven-step drops and exposing himself, especially when this is a young quarterback that you know has talent but also seems to have some turnover issues and you want to get him into a rhythm of confidence and just kind of work out those fumbling issues, those turnover issues. And you know maybe quick hitters and, and leaning on the running game is um, a way to do that. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, So I get that. But what I don't understand are plays where all five receivers, all five receivers are running three-yard routes. That is not a play that should exist in any playbook, regardless of abridged high school, college, NFL, otherwise. And yet I see it every week. And I don't... It's not surprising. I mean, we have too many receivers sitting on, on short routes, and I think it's part of the reason why this offense sucks nuts. Now into the play calling part of it, the, the construction of this team is, it's a rebuilding team. There are finally pieces in place, foundational pieces, that allow us to be competitive. It does not allow Daniel Jones to be Patrick Mahomes. And that's fine. That's not where we're at yet. This offense is not a high flyer because, you know, we threw out everything and started over. This whole offensive line is different than when it was... When when Dave Gettleman got here, um, so when you do that, yes, well, also you're not gonna even, be... even
1: also all other all the wide receivers, other and Sterling Shepard, right? They're all new too all since, Shep- since Gettleman got here.
0: Yeah, Sterling Shepard. Well, Evan Ingram also is a is a holdover.
1: Yeah, I, I was saying wide receiver specifically. Yeah, but but to your point,
0: yeah, um, and so so of course, right. I don't have a problem with having an offense that leans on the running game. I know some people do, and, and, you know, chunk plays lead to points and all that stuff. That's not how this team is constructed right now. It just isn't because that that requires such good pass blocking up front, and it requires receivers getting separation. And, and, you know, we haven't put all those pieces together yet, and that's fine. But if that's your construction— where you need to lean on the running game. Whether that's by design to, to protect Daniel Jones and allow him to develop, or if it's just by accident, that just is the construction of this team. So well, it's also,
1: it's, well, it's constructed to have a superstar running back, too, who's not uh, there. I,
0: I imagine that it's more than just to protect Jones. I do believe that it was constructed on purpose to establish a running game, et cetera, etc., cetera, et cetera. But it's not even worth arguing about because the fact is that's how it's constructed right now. This team right now is a run-first-pass-second offense. That's fine. Why the fuck aren't we running first until it's third quarter? It wasn't until the third quarter that we decided that we're going to start downhill running. And it works every fucking time. We did it last week against Seattle too. You know, it wasn't until then. Oh, oh yeah, we get five yards a pop when we run because that's what this team is good at. I'm not saying it's the way you should design an offense in 2020. I'm not even trying to have that debate. That's not the point. You know, if you want to have that debate, then that's not a game by game debate. That's a year by year debate and you can have that with somebody else.
1: I'm going to use the exact same answer to that question, the exact same opposite answer that I'm talking about with Florida. Where Florida is has such a good offense what they should be doing is doing what they do best and let the defense worry about it. I think what we're doing here is really the opposite and probably makes cuz we're not that good. I think we are worrying too much about what we think the defense will do to stop us, and they're trying to, you know, yeah, you know, think and I, and I think they're worrying too much about defensive scheme and stuff, and trying to out-coach them. And I the result coaching is, is, themselves. is right, right. And I think that's what the problem is, and not. But I think that's also I think that's because of a trust level of what we have too.
0: Yeah, I think there are two problems. I think you're right. I think that we're worried too much about. What the defense does, and not our team isn't dynamic enough to adjust our whole game plan and our whole roster construction to what defense we're up. You know, obviously you take all those things into account, but
1: and we're also not good enough to say stop us. Here we are. Yeah. So well, I, yeah. And I think there that fear of, of that statement, I think is what the coaches are overcoaching too much for, and I think that's our problem right now. I think if I think if we have more. Talent. If if, if the offensive line gets more experience and starts doing a more consistent, better job, we get some better, you know, better talent, you know, at the skill positions, you know, Barkley comes back. Jones is another year. I don't think you see as much of this condensedness and worrying about, you know, what the defense is doing and how they're scheming against us and their play calling. And we dictate more. And I I think that's I think that's the, the, the brunt of all this right now. And I think any offensive coordinator would kind of do that. I mean, they're the ones who know our talent more than anybody. They're the ones who watch more film on the opponent than anybody out there too. And I think that's what they're doing. And-
0: well, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. But so I think there is some level of play calling issue though. I mean, if we're at the, the point where we're a run first team, then run first. That's who we are right now. I can't mm-hmm. change that and you can't change that mid season. Dave Gettleman can't change that midseason. It just – that's what we're constructed as. A, so why are we waiting until the third quarter every week to be, oh, yeah, I guess we should go back to this. Like that's what we do. That's got to be what we do because it's what we're best at. And you If know you what? are, be
1: it. Yeah, that's I mean, exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Daniel Jones is a downfield thrower. I know that you want to protect him and, and, and all that other stuff, but he is a downfield shot taker. He is pretty close to what Eli Manning is in terms of mentality – End game. I mean, he is not Eli Manning coming out of college. That's that is I will never make that point to you, but as a thrower, that's what he wants to do, and that's what he's good at. He is an accurate thrower and he likes to throw downfield. We need if you want to throw, you need to have more routes running downfield. Even there was one play that was uh I wanna say the fourth quarter where we were backed up uh, with, uh, with I think Daniel Jones was taking the snap in the end zone, so that far back. And uh, I think it was like third and 15, and he connected on Sterling Shepard about 20 yards downfield. Even on that play, I look at it, and I'm like, what the hell is this route design? Because you have guys running downfield, and Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are five yards away from each other. Normally, I would say one of these receivers fucked something up. But I can't say that when it happens every single week and all three of our receivers are veterans. These are not rookies. These are not guys coming in with no practice. They're not coming up as third and fourth string and they're coming in because of an injury. Every week our three veteran receivers are running routes where they're on top of each other. And I am surprised that the turnover margin is not bad this year. I mean it should be terrible. We are throwing way too many, and this was my concern with the Seattle game, wasn't it? And that we mm-hmm. we throw too many short fucking passes. All defenders are sitting on those routes; they're waiting for it. We never run a double off of it. We never show all these short passes and then run a double move off of it, where you you know maybe you're setting something up. I you know I'm trying well, to I, understand. I, I'm not well, even I, try, I guess... not trying to attack Garrett, but I don't understand this playbook, and I'm not seeing anything. I'm trying to keep an open mind and not be overreactive to what I'm seeing, but I'm not seeing anything to defend what I'm seeing. Well, I guess,
1: you know, the question is, what changed from the play calling in Dallas, or has anything changed? Is this what basically they did in Dallas?
0: You know, it's hard to say. It was a long time ago that Jason Garrett did the play design and play calling in Dallas. But you know, at the time, for starters, the first thing that jumps off is that you have Tony Romo. You know, Jerry well, to <laughs> shit on Tony Romo, but Tony Romo is not only a good downfield thrower; he's a smart quarterback. He likes to take ch- take chances, and more than anything, he was very good at navigating pockets. I mean, he knew every escape route possible from the pocket. He knew how to extend plays like like brett Favre. i mean really he was on that level in terms of maneuvering pockets and getting out of trouble
1: okay so we're saying and so i mean that sounds like you know it's a personnel thing that they you can do more with you know a better quarterback and a more maneuverable quarterback and also look at the receivers they had back when and we this is going back to uh this is back at with T.O.? He
0: Wade Phillips, so I don't know if T.O. was out at the same time or not, but Dez was there. Okay, so I mean... I mean, I, but again, I, this is off the top of my head. I'm not actually breaking down plays and seeing that we're seeing the same kind of route construction. Either way, these route designs, they don't belong in any playbook. I don't care what your personnel is. I don't care if you have, you know, me back well, that, there as quarterback. Well, it's then my next question...
1: My next question for you then is: Have we dumbed down you know, the uh, the route tree and, and everything in week eleven and twelve? Is it different than it was in week four or five?
0: Um, you Be- know, I, we had so many problems. I, the, the short answer is I don't know, and the reason I don't know is because we had so many problems week four and five that I wasn't specifically focusing on what routes were being run. Uh, is,
1: you know. is it to me again? yesterday was a turd but i don't feel that this offense is collectively getting worse and worse and worse every week
0: i don't think that either so i think i think that this offense has gotten better since they've switched their running scheme i think mm-hmm. they've gotten better since what what we now know was joe judge getting in in his his hands into the pie and and working with the offensive line because that was a big problem the offensive line seemed to be completely lost to the first right. five to six weeks. And right. they've slowly gotten better. You know, those things have improved. I don't know about the routes.
1: So so if we're saying all of these things are collectively getting better and, and Daniel Jones was cleaning up his, his turnover problems and was playing him better until he got hurt, I don't understand what all of a sudden this wrath against the
0: offensive well, the thing coordinator. is. That, first of all, we were I, I, winning games because so- Jones was playing perfectly. The I'm, defense I'm so- was playing perfectly. Right.
1: But we're saying, you know, as an aggregate, all of these elements of the offense are getting better. Right. And, and I'm yeah. I'm separating I'm separating your critique of, you know, why are we running these route things from what the you know, the the noise in the system is now that we got to get rid of them. This offense sucks because offense, you know, it again, as part of a, a long term rebuild and even as this year, the progression is getting better. I mean. This offense is not preventing this team from winning a Super Bowl this year. This offense is not preventing this team from winning a playoff game this year. We are ahead of our skis and where we are and I think, you know, it's it's fun and exciting that we are in a race for a playoff spot, but I think it's putting people's expectations and their I want it now. Definitely. way out of way out of whack. If we are forget we have the exact same record. If we are, you know, what are we five and eight. Is that what we are now? Mm-hmm. If we are five and eight and there is a Dallas that is 10 and three right now, we are looking at everything so much differently. I think, I think people well, who's are, who's we?
0: you and me or I think base? that this
1: the fan base okay. and just, you know, and, and even here, this to like some of the, the, the media people like, you know, barking last night and today about it. I think there's, all of a sudden there's this kind of, you know, this urgency all of a sudden that this better get corrected right now. We're not going to make the playoffs when it, we all know it's fool's gold. If we do make the playoffs, we're, we're not going to go anywhere if we do, but you know, I, I think all of this kind of gels more and more, the more this team plays and we keep adding parts to it. I, I really believe, you know, that, this offense, the 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 scheming and the, and the play calling gets more intricate. You know, when you bring in some more talent, you have more uh, confidence in the consistency of the offensive line to, you know, to to pass block. You know, the the running game keeps better. It's all an aggregate of things improving. It just seems strange that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, because of one stinkeroo, again with a really banged up quarterback, that. You know, the the ills of the world are on Garrett. Not saying he's perfect, but it just seems a little out of whack.
0: Right. So I, I agree with a lot of that, right? Like mm-hmm. expectations are way too high and everybody should be excited, as we were saying last week, not to be miserable, but to be excited that we are on a playoff run. But that doesn't change the fact that this is really only happening because Dallas lost their starting quarterback and Philly's a fucking mess. Philly's a mess for for several reasons, but injuries are part of them. You know, there is no reason that this record, this team, should be in any playoff. Uh, sorry, shouldn't be in any division race. It's okay to be at five and seven. Should be normally like in the wild card hunt, though. So, it's not out of the realm that this is a playoff ish fringe team. Five and seven is not out of it. Um, that said um again the general construction of a Jason Garrett offense that we've seen with the run first throw second that i have no qualms with even me personally i think that level of pro style offense is very good um that's just my personal preference you can make arguments otherwise but the way this roster is constructed i think there's no contest you just you're not going to be a throw first run second offense with the with the scheme that you have the personnel you have but there is a huge difference between the general idea of what you're trying to do and what you've actually done. You know, there are not... We saw that the touchdown, the only touchdown, the only even threat of a score that the offense mustered on Sunday happened in part because there was a big downfield pass. There's not enough of that. And that's what Daniel Jones is very good at. When you lean on the run and you make you make linebackers stay in their spot instead of just rushing up to the line and you you work the play action off of it when you do those things the downfield shots open and you need to have more of those plays run even if you don't throw it even if you don't make those throws if you still check down and go to the underneath fine but Daniel Jones in him who he is he's going to look for the single coverage and he's going to be looking for any window the throw and that's what ha- he had. He took two shots downfield that were pretty damn good. One was, but both of them were Golden Tate. One was caught that led to a, a quick touchdown right after handoff to Dion Lewis. The the next uh, or the, the the first one actually was another shot to Golden Tate that was just a great defensive play by Byron Murphy. There's not enough of that, and that's what he excels at. That's what this this. That's how this team needs to be. I'm not saying you need to always be throwing downfield, but you need to be at least running downfield. Keep and again, unbalanced.
1: And again, who knows what his physical and mental condition was yesterday that he even wanted to try some of those plays.
0: I guess, yeah. I mean, again... I mean, I mean this, isn't, this isn't confined to yesterday. I'm not making these qualms because yesterday Garrett called a bad game. Yesterday, Garrett called the same game he's been calling for a month. We've been winning because... Everybody's played perfectly. And that's not going to happen in the NFL week to week to week to week. Daniel Jones is not going to be perfect every single week. The defense is going to have struggles. Special teams is going to fuck something up from time to time. That's how the NFL is. You can't have a game plan to just be whatever on offense. There is no excuse for this offense and what has been invested into it um, to be 31st in the league. Second worst only to the jets they are not that bad talent wise they're not
1: mm. they're not that bad, but I think it's a perfect storm of elements that cause that again, like I said earlier, you know Daniel Jones is not playing that well, and again, in
0: the last you know no, I would say Sunday, he did not play well, but the weeks prior he was playing very well.
1: He it was, ex- was passable i wouldn't say he was playing well i mean he's playing better
0: but i mean the numbers are the numbers the number but that's what i'm saying these he these number, this this scheme doesn't allow him to be who he is you know i'm not going to sit here and tell you that they need to construct an offense that lets daniel jones throw downfield constantly you know i don't expect And Eli Manning from 2011 offense to be constructed around Daniel Jones. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't want that to come across that way. What I am saying is that he plays perfectly and he's going to throw for 180 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a perfect game for Daniel Jones in this offense. Now, he can't do anything more or less with that. That's just what this offense is designed to do. And you can't can't continue to win games throwing for no touchdowns and, you know, and, and scoring 20, 21, 23 points a game. You're not going to win enough like that. Yeah. That's, that's my point. You know, I, I don't think that this is a, a terminal offense. You know, this isn't, this isn't the worst offense I've ever seen. It's in some, it, it, it it's, is, it's
1: not, it's not bad enough that we're even having this discussion. Are we going to launch our offensive coordinator? I really I think that people are looking for scalps again going back to this unreasonable expectations and being disappointed for something and demanding why we aren't. I really really do. I mean this is, you know, this offense isn't good for a majority of reasons. I mean I, I mean a, a lot of reasons, not a majority, just a lot of reasons. And yes, we are not pushing the limits of what it could be, but you know with, with the personnel that we have and again going forward for the you know the short to medium term we don't know how long jones is going to be either out or limited it's not going to be dynamically game planned and and play called but that's only one of it though i mean again we we have run, uh, wide receivers who don't do much after the catch
0: we have but how are they supposed to if you run around that's 5 yards and turn around you're just going to get i mean there's not much you can do after the catch there i mean this isn't you know and and To me, one of the worst offenses you construct is a Ben McAdoo-style offense. I hate that shit. But at least in that, that whole offense is designed to get playmakers in space. That's why Beckham is as good as he was in that kind of offense. Because you get him on a slant with a sort of rub route, and you allow him enough separation to get running at full steam... Then you're going to get some yak. But if you have a whole offense that's designed to run three yards in whatever direction and turn around and wait for the ball, there's you're not going to get very much after the catch in any of that.
1: So let's say, for example, you know we draft Devonta Smith in the in the draft this year, okay. a guy who who has over the top, you know, breakaway speed who can you know get separation and, and can open this up. Do you think that just having you know, increased talent like that will change this, you know, the complexion of this offense. You know, it's actually pretty exciting with him and, and Barkley at the same time for you know two major threats. Or is this the way it is come hell or high water with the talent?
0: Well, I don't – first of all, whether or – first of all, two steps back now. I think the major thing missing from this offense is big-time playmakers on the outside. So I, I 100% think that, that that is a talent – Spot that is not very great, and right? I would say it's below average with Slayton, Shepard, and Tate. Um, that is what it is. So adding a weapon like that absolutely makes us more exciting. Does it change the way the playbook is? It fucking should, because if you have a guy like that, you should be sending him on vertical routes. He should be doing what he does best, and that's get open downfield. Then, third then to me, that. But third of all, this offense needs to change whether or not you add that guy. It needs to change. This offense will never score points. It's not going to. Um, You know, unless... You know, that's not necessarily fair. We do have a dynamic guy who's not playing, and that's Saquon Barkley. And I do think that the way the running game has changed, the way the offensive line has grown as run blockers, I think that we're probably scoring more points. And that's fine. That's fair. Um, However, it's not going to be 30 points a game good. I just don't think it... I think we scored... The most of the season was what twenty seven points or so, twenty eight points, something like that.
1: Yeah, but I mean <laughs> that was that was our, that's
0: our best right now.
1: But I, I don't. I think if you had, you know, anybody as an offensive coordinator, I don't think this offense is going to score that though. It's just purely who we have right now too.
0: I, I I mean, again, I think if you fill this this roster up with three Odell Beckham's, two Zach Ertz's, and uh, you know. Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. I think I still think you're not scoring very much. It's just the way the offense is designed. Well, now, again, well, again, if, if you're changing, if
1: the – if we have that kind of talent, we we're, have, we're trying to run that offense. That offense coordinator's fired in week two. But
0: the, okay, so yeah, yeah. D- does the chain, d- Does adding talent change the way the the plays are designed? I fucking hope so. It should. Well, that, but again, yeah. this this offense doesn't belong in any playbook. Not I'm sorry. Not the whole offense. There are plays, there are drives. I see things that are like, this is how it's supposed to be. And that first drive coming out of halftime, we were on defense. We kicked off first. But the the first drive where the offense got the ball, that was one of them. And it was called perfectly. The play designs were were right. I don't know why that—and to its credit, the first drive of the game, which is usually very, very scripted, uh, wasn't bad either. But we get into these weird modes where we're just we're only throwing for three yards. We, we we run the ball sometimes. I just I don't know. We are a thing. Just be that thing, you know. Yeah. And, and and I I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. And you know when they just be themselves, they get yards, and yards lead to points. So I I don't. I just I'm don't
1: really get it. I. I... I hear 100% what you're saying, but to me, I just think the overriding thing is it's a wait and see. I mean, first of all, launching him right now. I mean, he is not the reason why this team isn't better. Honestly, what if we are more of a, you know, an, an open playbook and, you know, and more vertical and more that, you know, I, I don't know what that translates to as far as wins and losses, and I think that's the main reason why people are frustrated—wins and losses at the end of the day. Again, I think it's—I think
0: yes, that's not why I'm so, frustrated. Yeah,
1: I, I, why well, you're not, but I think why the majority, why this is even a thing—a Jason mm-hmm. Garrett thing—if we would not be talking about Jason Garrett if this wasn't a thing. I'm sure we would say, you know, it's kind of interesting what we're doing. But it wouldn't be as a level of we, we know we spent now fifteen twenty minutes talking about you know stating our cases to keep a guy mm-hmm. you know it's like why are we even having this conversation right now it really you know I, I don't know what it would based on the talent we have I don't know what that incremental change would be other than that's the type of offense we want to build and it's gonna be, it's a chicken and the egg thing do we want to build an offense going forward based around the principles. Of what Jason Garrett is running, which is probably heavily influenced by Joe Judge, or do we want to be something else, and then do we get players around that? So okay. that's a more of a existential question, really, than a Jason Garrett question.
0: And, and Giants fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I think that the best offense for Daniel Jones, and one of the best offenses I had seen, was a run first, pass second kind of offense, and that was Kevin Gilbride's offense. I actually think that that offense was perfect. I know the Kevin Kill drive was a whole thing, and I'm sure there's some analytical statistics that tell me why it's bad and all, and all of that. But we
1: I mean, never had a Saquon Barkley. I mean, as much as we had, you know, the Tiki Barbers of the world, and right. you know, going forward after none of those, you know, none of any of those running backs we had, any of the Thunder and Lightnings or anything, were the weapon that, that Saquon Barkley that's,
0: is. That's very true. And on top of it, I think the the big problem with Gilbride's offense was that it was so complicated that everybody had to be a goddamn genius. And that's that's fine, except that maybe now you're not getting players, players that are extremely athletic and very valuable. Maybe they're not seeing playing time because they're always fucking up. Or maybe you're not even drafting them and you're taking subpar athletes because they're smarter and they understood it. You know, I don't remember the specifics of it, but it was something like three fucking route combinations were all possible coming out of the huddle depending on the uh, the audibles but there were also like three plays called in the huddle based on the way the defensive alignment it was very complicated so you had like nine different route combinations at any given time and there's a very uh, I don't know if it's very famous actually but but I remember there was an interview that Plaxico Burris was giving about the Super Bowl uh, in, in a moment where Steve Smith made a who was a rookie that year, granted, but made a very important catch on third down. And he said that like, people don't know this, but right before the ball snapped, he turned to me and asked me what the play was at the line before me. And he said he was notorious for that. So that was one of the better receivers that we had at the time and and going forward through um, that, that just didn't, you know, grasp that offense. So, I thought
1: that was very interesting, but so, so the bottom line is really the discussion about, um, Jason Garrett and what his ultimate future is going to be is dependent on other things. It's depend. It's dependent on number one. What is the commitment to Daniel Jones? Number two, based on that commitment, what type of offense do we want to be? And what do we want to build around? Correct then it goes to pretty much okay we're committing to this guy we think he's the guy who can build that offense to make it work we'll get the players around to make it happen we don't have a 100% commitment to daniel jones just yet i mean we're we're feeling him out this is only his what 40th game he's played 40th if that less than that
0: i think it's been i think it's he missed 3 games last last year and one game this year
1: Oh no, so we're talking
0: thirty? Something like that.
1: So- something like that. I mean it's pretty low. So I mean there's no commitments yet of, you know, is he really the future or something. We're 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 feeling him out. And we are still in roster construction on on you know, especially on the offense, especially in the skill positions. I mean, we don't know what we're doing with Evan Ingram yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we you know, Golden Tate probably won't be on the team next year due to the roster. Uh, due to salary cap issues, you know, we don't know. So I think once those decisions are made, then it becomes pretty you know, a much easier thing to say, okay, you know, we're sticking with Garrett. We're giving you the you know the pieces that you need to make this happen. And if not, he could be launched very easy. They may they may decide. You know, well, who knows? I mean maybe hypothetically Justin Fields, we, we end up drafting fifth and Justin Fields somehow drops to fifth because somebody likes, doesn't like the way he flexes muscles at the combine or something. And he's available. And, you know, we jump on him, you know, that, that changes everything. Who knows? Yeah. Rather I mean, unlikely, that's, that's very but...
0: true. And, and again, I'm not making the case one way or another. What I'm saying is what we've seen needs to change. And it's something I've seen even through wins. Um,
1: well, does it need to be, does it need to change immediately or does it need to change like kind these of? These plays
0: don't belong in – there are, there are plays that we run week after week that don't belong in any level of football playbook. Even Pop Warner. I mean there's no point in having guys run out routes and be on top of each other. That's not that, – that that's not smart football. Um, but that seems, nevertheless – That also
1: seems to me that that's,
0: that's fuck upside players as much I as – so. not, not if you have all five receivers run three yards. I mean – and we did it on Sunday. I you know I, I watch the film I, we we do it every week. There's at least one play where we have five receivers run three yards. Nobody opens up anything for anybody else. Everybody sits to the sticks and they lay a hit on them. Nevertheless, we're piling on Jason Garrett right now, and you know I, I have my qualms with him. I, I have my not with him with what I've seen. You know he's in charge of the offense as far as I know, um, but the offensive line played like shit. They played bad. That, they took a step back. And, and okay. you know, it doesn't matter what plays you call. If you don't block somebody, something's falling apart. And, you know, I know that that's not Jason Garrett's fault that they took a step back. Something happened there where they're not prepared. They weren't – there's no excuses for Hassan Riddick looking like Osi Minyura. There's – Riddick is an average edge. There's,
1: there's two rookies, a guy as first-year starter and a guy in the right, a right tackle who shouldn't be starting in this league you are going to see inconsistency. Yes. And that's just, that is a fact. And they've been playing better and better and better, but it doesn't just so, you know, the, it doesn't go straight up the arrow. It's going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. Correct. It was down this week. It happens. I mean,
0: yeah, it does. And, and then, and every single lineman played poorly. I think Nick Gates might've been the best of the, the starting five, you know, Hernandez and Lemieux were switching out. I think both had their struggles. Even Kevin Zeitler had some trouble with Cam Fleming calling... St- I think he missed three stunts in that game, two of which led to sacks. One almost did. Yep. You know, even even our best offensive lineman had a bad game. They all played poorly. And there's individual plays where they played well, particularly in the running game. Not much in the running game was poor. And the worst thing about this running game is that we are stuck with Alfred Morris as the, the sub-in for when Gallman needs yeah. a breather. And that, you know... That's fine if that's all we can handle right now. It is what it is. He wasn't our first choice. wasn't our second choice. He was our third choice. Mm-hmm. And what was available on the street, that's fine. But this idea of splitting drives between Gallman and Alfred Morris, that's got to stop. Yeah, I don't, I don't care what successes he had in other games. Even in those games, he looked like a corpse running behind the line. You show me a, a, a play where Alfred Morris runs for four yards – and I'll show you that same play where Wayne Gallman runs for five or six. There's, I mean, there, I, that's just the yeah. way it is, right? We
1: mm-hmm.
0: agree that any play where Alfred Morris runs for a couple yards, Gallman's going to get you a couple more.
1: Well, I mean, is it a question that, you know, Gallman is now a starter after being, you know, a backup his whole career that – he can't handle an increased workload, or is it? Or is it also said, if he needs
0: a breath and you need to put Morrison? That's fine, but we're seeing where Gallman goes in on a drive. Next drive, it's it's Alfred Morris. I mean, fuck that. Yeah. I I don't see I don't see the benefit in that. Yeah, but you know, I I guess I guess you could just look straight up at the at the production that Morris has had. He hasn't numbers wise played poorly, but it certainly didn't look pretty back there at any point.
1: Yeah. It was just a tough day. It was just... uh...
0: (laughs) He's also like... What is he, like 35? 36? He's old as shit for a running back.
1: I mean, it seems like his glory days with Washington were a long
0: time ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. But nevertheless, this was a bad game. I I don't want to go this whole way being completely negative because the defense played, considering what they were handed, outstanding. And Jabril Peppers, again was a madman, so I gave him a star. I didn't really have anybody else individually I wanted to give a star to. Overall, the defense played outstanding, and Jabril Peppers in particular was was a shining light.
1: I'm going to give a a fart to special teams again, Mm -hmm. where it's starting to become a concern. Yeah, I would agree. And I don't know if that's – are we mixing in and out personnel on special teams different people that were playing from the beginning of the year to now or
0: yeah what it is you know and I hate to do this because it sounds like an excuse but I think a lot of practice squad elevations and and you know active inactive is a little bit reliant on the strange covidness you know the practice squad rules are all different guys are being elevated and and deactivated at, at weird rates uh, mainly because you want to be protected in case anyone has to go on the COVID list. And we've had some issues the last couple of weeks. I, I do think that, you know, your, your 50th through 53rd guy on the roster might be switching every week. That, that, that could be contributing.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's just when you're, when you're allowing, you know, this is a, a team where limited offense we have, and you know, and defense is playing close to the best. we, we can't afford to be giving up more field position on punt returns and things and uh you know it's 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 starting to creep into be more and more of a problem so it needs to be addressed and again with judge in his background i feel that it will be addressed but it's something that's on my radar every week now
0: yeah yeah and i, I didn't think it would be given the way they were playing earlier this year and mm-hmm. you know just the attention to detail that we saw with joe judge but yeah i agree the the special teams Special teams is part of the reason why the defense had to play as hard as they did. It wasn't all the offense. Special teams also played poorly.
1: Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Arizona's better than us, too. I mean, you know, they're a very they're fringy playoff team, a legitimate fringy playoff team. They have
0: a very and, good secondary.
1: And they have, a, they have a quarterback that is very, very shifty. And very, you know, he's a, you know, he may not be the greatest, you know, Passer in the world, but he's not going to have many negative plays because he is very quick and hard to get down. So he's going to give you trouble. He's he's if you're not a disciplined defense, he's going to make you look bad. And uh, you know, for the most part, I think they did pretty well.
0: I thought so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So to lose to a team like Arizona is it's not you know it's not like yeah. how could you lose to LSU or that bad? It's you know that's a pretty good team.
0: Yeah, like I said, I could have handled losing this game. What what I struggled with was how badly they played. Um offensively and special teams wise, they played very badly. Um but if they had played what we saw say 2 weeks ago, you know, against Cincinnati, maybe maybe even further back against Philadelphia, I think, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And they, and they just they just lost. You know, I, I would feel better about it, but it, this was a clear step backwards this week. Not just score-wise, not just result-wise. You know, the, well, the, the proof was in the pudding this week.
1: Well, the one thing I can say, you know, to everybody, say so don't jump off the ledge this week is let's see if it's just a a result of you know a team that's going to be inconsistent and lay a turd, or is this the beginning of a trend?
0: Yeah. And well, th- 2020 in general is not a jump off the ledge year
1: yeah yeah and also keep in mind too, who we're playing the next couple of weeks. We are playing some good teams. We are playing Baltimore, we're playing Cleveland. We're playing good teams coming up, mm-hmm. so again, if you you know if the level of play isn't as good as we saw in those previous four weeks and we lose these next two games and we're in a three game losing streak, remember who you know we're not have the benefit of playing Washington again or, or or you know some of these shitty teams we're playing. Playoff level competition.
0: Yep, and we will have a preview episode for next week's game. It's a Sunday night game against uh, the Cleveland Browns. Unfortunate that we couldn't attend this one because this would have been an exciting <laughs> one to be at. But uh, yeah, it, it also saved me from listening to Al Michaels say "doink" and other dumbass shit. Well, um, you might
1: you might get a you might get Tirico.
0: Oh, I hope so.
1: I mean, he, he did the game last week with uh, with um, Collinsworth. Yeah.
0: Well, either way, um, we will have that preview episode for you Friday morning. Uh, so be sure to follow this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. Um, subscribe to it there for free and all these episodes will be right there waiting for you every Friday morning and Tuesday morning. And in the interim, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump.
1: You can find me as always at The Cranky Fan. I've been laying low the last couple days. I've not been in the mood unless people are really pissing me off. But uh, say something nice and I will gladly uh, say hello back to you. So that's at The Cranky Fan.
0: All right, everyone. We will see you Friday with that preview episode against the Cleveland Browns. So um, try, not to, try not to lose your head.
1: <laughs> everybody, hang in there, yeah. and everybody get get ready. Here's something happy: we're having a nice blizzard on Wednesday, so go outside and make snow angels. Be happy.
0: Yeah, there you go. All right, everyone, we'll see you Friday. Go Giants! Giants.